Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. It's the number one daily NFL podcast, and it's on the number one daily sports podcast network. Your team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find us on all your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. Happy Monday, everybody. It is the Combine Preview show and I want to look at some combine props that were thrown out there in Vegas I think that are interesting some easy money I think with some of them and some lines put pretty well with some of these and uh, when it comes to the combine and I know you have a long drive ahead of you Matt so have fun there and I hope you enjoy your time in Indy I I want to get into a little bit just an overview of, of combine and what teams look at here with the combine what's really important is it really all about medical or can these workouts on the field and some of these numbers and the stuff that's really fun as a fan to watch and track how fast these guys are and see who's got true 4-3 speed, is that what it's all about for teams or is it all about medical and just getting a one-on-one with these guys? Well, let's pull back the curtain a little bit. We're recording this Sunday afternoon because probably while you're listening to this, I am buzzing down the highway from Pittsburgh to Indy. I'll be on a six-hour trip tomorrow. So I won't be able to really chat with you guys. If if some big news breaks in that time, we'll get to it on Tuesday, I assure you. But I couldn't be more excited about going to the Combine. I love it more and more every year. And I think it's a very valuable tool. I mean, first of all, I think people overreact in that, wow, he ran a 4.48 as opposed to a 4.41. I mean, think about how little amount of time that really is in the real world. You know what I mean? Like things like that that people overreact to. If I were to rank the importance of the event, I would put medical number one by a wide margin. You know, every team doctor is there and every inch of every of these guys' bodies, I think, are basically examined and people end up with ailments they never knew they had. You know, I mean, heart problems and things like that, that they played with their whole life, never knew about it. So it is as thorough of an examination as you could possibly get. And everybody shares that same information. How they interpret that information goes doctor to doctor, but all the information is available for all the teams to share. People talk about the interviews being extremely important, and I think they are, but I think if you've been there and in an interview room, you realize medical is way more important than the interviews. Like, yes, I want to be around these players. I want to see how they conduct themselves because – What fans don't realize is the time in Indy for these players is a grind. You know, like my year with the the Browns, I was a new scout. So one of my jobs one morning was getting all the players up from one position group, herding them like ducks and waking them up and getting them all to the spot they needed to be to start their day. And that was like at 5 a.m. And well, those dudes weren't happy to see me, you know what I mean? Like, or they didn't <laughs> sleep all night because they were nervous or they didn't want to get up at 5 a.m. And then from that point on, every second is not your own. So I do think it's interesting to watch their mannerisms and what is a very, very hard day. But the interviews themselves, there's really two versions of them, or at least this is how it used to be. And I'm pretty sure it still is, but I think there's less number of them now where they called it this train station and there was this room after room after room that all looked the same. And and 32 teams each had one. And every 15 minutes they would sound like a a horn and guys would go from one room to the next. You know, you you got them each for 15 minutes and 15 minutes is great. But by the time they come in, shake every hand, Hey, how's it going? Three minutes are gone. 
you might want to you might get them on the board a little. You might get some feel for what they are, but they can kind of go through the motions and you know, walk out of there and say that was an okay interview. He didn't blow my doors off, but he wasn't a jag off, you know. So I, I think those get a little overblown. And then there's times, or at least there used to be, I don't know how that'll work this year because that was at night where the players could go to like an open ballroom and you could go find them on your own. Like that was one of my jobs as a new scout was we're not going to interview these guys. These are fifth and sixth, seventh round picks. See if you can sit down with as many as possible and tell us what you think, you know? So that there was some value to that, but sometimes you're sitting next to the Raven scout and the jet scout talking to this guy too. So Again, I, I don't think that the the one-on-ones or the interviews are quite as valuable as a lot of people make you think. I think the medicals are more important to people make you think. I hear a lot about some frauds being exposed as far as prospects that come in. You interview a guy and you ask him, hey, you know, what are you all about? And the guy's like, I'm all about ball and I work out here, rise and grind. Look at my Instagram, how off I'm working out. Uh, I'm all about the classroom. I know the playbook inside and out. And it's like, okay, we'll come to the whiteboard, draw this coverage for me. And if he doesn't know what you're talking about, you can kind of figure out who's right. really about it and who's not about it. And I've been a hiring manager and I know the NFL is a completely different beast, but I've sat across the table from somebody for five minutes and I'd be like, I don't want this person in my restaurant or in my bar or on my football team in right. the locker room around these other people. I don't want this person around right. me at all. So I could see how it could. I wouldn't pay inter- him to wash my car. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I can't <laughs> yeah. wait for this interview to be over. I don't even want all 15 minutes of this. So I can see how that could really crush a prospect with a team. And you have to really be mentally tough to go through this whole, as you mentioned, no moment of this whole week is their own. So you have to be mentally tough to kind of power through this and you know it's a grind you know you have to go through the medical have to go through all these teams and be genuine and really engage with all these teams because it's just back-to-back job interviews it's speed dating and at some point it's probably rough on prospects and you might you know just have a lapse where you're just tired and beat and and you're not really uh, helping yourself in some of these interviews right yeah i mean as all of us do it's a long day without much sleep and it's super super important and they're under a lot of stress and I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I know, I mean, if you sit down with some of these guys for 15 minutes, not that you would eliminate them, but you might be like, I don't really want him in my building, or <laughs> he's not smart at all, or, you know, I mean, he just rubs me the wrong way. He's not what we're all about. And one example of what really stuck with me was when I was in one of those interviews was a first-round player, and I'll tell you off the air if you want, but I'm not going to mention it now, who went on to kind of be a bust, but he was like a top he, was, he got picked right around 10 overall. We were picking third, so we were interested in him, of course. And as he was walking out of the room, a veteran scout said, you know, as, you know, he was basically had his door on the his hand on the doorknob, opening it up to leave the, the interview room. And a veteran scout said, Pro Bowl or Super Bowl? And he went, Oh, Pro Bowl. You know, and we were like, eh. Oh no. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong answer. We don't answer. really care if you go to the Pro Bowl. We want to go to the Super Bowl, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think we've talked about this before too, where if they ask you are you are you a cat or a dog? You're you're a dog. It's always dog. Yeah, don't, be a dog don't pick right. the cat. Yeah, the, <laughs> that's all on the on the agent. You got to get these guys coached up on that. And that's yeah, the other thing and about, they are way more coached up than they used to be, of course. Right. And but same with the drills. You know, like running a forty. The most important thing, from what I understand, is if you talk to track people, is your start. Well, you don't start in a three point stance if you're a corner. You know what I mean? Like. That that first ten yards getting off the blocks is super. Running a forty is much different than playing football for forty yards, you know. So you got to recognize that. How much do they train? Like, 
I, I hate to always bring things back to the Steelers, but we interviewed Deontay Johnson after the Steelers drafted him, and somehow his 40 time came up. I think he ran like a four five three, And it blew me away because he said, you know what, I didn't train for the 40. I'm like, what are you thinking? You know, like, <laughs> you probably cost yourself money. He's just like, it's not football. I mean, I in a way, I was like, boy, you're dumb from a business standpoint. Because if you would have ran a tenth of a second better, if you ran a four four three or opposed to a four five three, you know you're going to get drafted higher. But then part of me was like, I like this dude. I mean, he really just cares about football. Yeah, that's a tough thing. And you see a lot with quarterbacks that don't run the 40. He was like, I'm not going to – I've got this other stuff to prepare for, and I'm just not even going to prepare for this one event. And if I'm not going to mm-hmm. prepare for it, I'm not going to participate in it. I'm not going to run in it because I don't want to put up a bad number either because that can affect you. So there's so much that goes into this and so much, and you're training for a, a pretty foreign thing. I mean, running a 40, like you mentioned, is its own skill. And sometimes play speed right. and 40 time doesn't match up at all. So those are the things that'll be interesting. We've got a break really quick here. I have one more question for you overall about there's the one combine. One more thing I want to talk about after the break about that too. Okay, so cool. Let's do that. All right. We'll get moving. More of that come up next, and we'll hit some of these uh, prop bets on the combine coming up. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's like blue, the color blue, and chew because you can chew it. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. That makes a lot more sense to me. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help your follow-through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On. To try it free, Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Matt, before we start looking at these props, you want to hit on something about combine prep? Pretty much the second after you play your last football game, most of these guys go to some training facilities to work on 40s and shuttles and, you know, getting their times as best as possible, verticals. So I think those numbers are obviously inflated because their technique for the drills really improves the tests. But the thing I did want to mention that I think is valuable is it's nice having all of them run and do the drills and everything on the exact same surface. You know, it's not, I used to laugh or I used to joke that, you know, I think Ohio state's 40 yard track is 38 and a half yards (laughs) downhill. You know, I mean, like some tracks are faster than others. So have everybody one stop shopping in the same room on the same day, same weather, you know, there's no wind or anything like that, or every quarterback throwing right next to each other, like an assembly line. I think has value because I mean, also because if I'm an area scout and I love my sec guys, but I never saw the UCLA quarterback throw, you know, and it's like, wow, that guy throws better than my guys. You know, that's who I'm kind of competing against, you know? So there's, 
there's definitely value to the assembly line theory of having everyone do the exact same thing one after another in the same environment. It's yeah, the laser time. It's really amazing to see how different the times are when guys go back to their pro days, when people skip the combine to run better and you almost can't even take serious their actual pro day time. I think one of the big dis, dis, uh, like the discrepancies b- between combine and pro day times recently was Jamal Adams. I think he ran four or five. I mean, it's a good time for a, a safety sure. and someone as physical and as good as he is. And I don't know if it really even affected his draft stock either way to have these two different times up there. But I think he ran four or five something, which is a fine time for him. He went to LSU pro day and ran four, three, eight. And he's fast on tape. He's got tons of range. I don't know if he plays to four three eight, but that was one of those times where like, whose stopwatch were you looking at? Because he might be a four <laughs> right, four right. guy. And so maybe he was faster than four five and maybe he wanted to put a better time out there. But four three eight, he's a physical freak and he's a beast, but four three eight, come on. Yeah, did his agent time him or you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, one quick thing before we get and into the other s- trick, sorry, real oh, yeah, quick. I mean ahead. the other trick is shaving weight and adding weight and all that stuff too. Like if you're a safety and your ideal playing weight and when you report the camp as a professional is 200 pounds, but you go to the combine and you're down to 190 and you look great in your underwear when you walk out on the stage and you're 40 times a little better, you're not holding a 10-pound plate on your back, but then that, that's not really who you are. I mean, it's kind of like the pretty girl that puts too much makeup on and like that's not really who you are. It's interesting what a prospect is shooting for, too, because some players are, you know, skinny, fast guys. And you're thinking, man, this guy needs to get to, say, 200 pound to hit that 200 pound mark. Mm-hmm. And so he needs to put on weight before the combine before he weighs in. But at the same time, he's training for a 40. It's hard to put on weight. And so do you do you add the weight? Maybe it hurts your 40 time. Do you train just for your 40 and say whatever I weigh, whatever I weigh? So that's an interesting thing that prospects have to figure out as they train for this thing, too. Yeah. And. The other thing, like you mentioned, the pro day is maybe you want to look as buff as you possibly can and you want to be 210 or you want, you want to get over a certain number. I'm not going to run, though. I'll run at my pro day. Well, then he run 15 pounds lighter a month or so from now. You know, like, let, let's put the best numbers we can, the best visuals we can, even though I'm two different weights. Or remember last year at this time, all we could talk about is, is Kyler Murray going to be 5'9 and 7'8? Yeah. Or is he going to be 5'10? <laughs> oh, he magically got the 5'10. Good. We can take him now. You know, like, what's the difference? I mean, does it really matter? Right. Exactly. So that's that's fun stuff. And all this stuff gets really crazy. One question, uh, team specific, while we're, uh, while we're talking about this, just overview of the combine. And I don't know how much insight you had to the Browns board or how much insight you've had with some other GMs and people you've talked to around the league and scouts. How much would you say, and I'm sure it's different with every team, how much of a team's draft board is set in February before the combine? And is it specifically they want to have their board set so they're not overly affected by the numbers they put up? What can change between February 23rd and April 23rd? Uh, it's interesting because I uh, it just got published today on Steelers.com. So go check it out because they asked me to write an article. What? How would I handle my scouting duties pretty much the second the combine ends. So I prefaced the article by saying smart scouts, smart organizations, quote, put the pen down after your last football game, whether that's senior bowl, your bowl game, the last game you played, write a a very solid report as if it's your final report. And I would actually file it with the team with everyone knowing that, hey, this isn't my final report. 
but I want it in the system. And then I'll watch all the tests and have them to our room and the pro, our building and the pro day and all that. And I might tweak some things, but then I'm going to reference that, that report that I put in now. And I think to take it a step further to answer your question, and I don't know how many teams do this or if any teams do this, but I think it's really, really smart if you have a board set right now as you go into the combine. And I know teams have been more draft this week than they've been free agency. I think that's smart. I mean, they make that the skeleton of what you do. And boy, someone really has to prove that they fall from running back five on my board to running back eight. You know, like, man, he did not look as good as we thought. Or our concerns were magnified. Or boy, he looked better. Or I didn't like the player or the person. Or I think the smart teams have a a skeleton of a board built right this minute and it takes something substantial to move it because the tape should still be king. One of the big ones for me is the size of these players and the height, weight, speed, how long are your arms, how big are your hands, yeah. some things you can't you can you can usually tell how big a player is, but you know, that arm length, if you're a pass rusher, it'd really be helpful if you're developing as a pass rusher to have a little bit longer arms or an offensive tackle and some of those things. Big hands for a wide receiver. It's not, you know, a, a an absolute cutoff, but you don't see many people drafted as an offensive tackle in the NFL that have arms that are shorter than say 33 inches. It just, you sure. know, I think Connor Williams a couple of years ago went through that where he was only had 32 inch arms and he came in just under 300. I think the combine hurt him just because of his pure size. And now he's a guard in the NFL and he's a pretty good guard. But I think that might've ended teams thinking, Oh, maybe he is a franchise left tackle. Well, now he's a guard. Now that changes things. Now we're talking about round two for this guy instead of round one for this guy. And so many colleges are way off in their height, weight, listings right so you have a player i think michael crabtree was the one that i remember i think he was listed at texas tech i think he was listed at like six four came into the combine six one and a half right and he's like well he (laughs) plays six four i could believe him maybe being six three or six four he's six one it's like okay well he's a pretty you know it's not small but it's not as big as we had thought you know and he did have long arms and big hands and that's why he played so big and that's why you would believe he was six three but he actually wasn't so that's one of the things that i can see is like okay well man we thought this guy was 6'3 and fast, he actually ran a pedestrian time and is only 6'1, that might change things for me. So, uh, And actually, that that's a really great segue for one of the prospects I want to talk about and looking at these prop Real bets. quick, I 100% agree with you, though. I mean, I should have mentioned that because that, to me, is one of the, should have been a first segment thing, is one of the absolute most important things in the combine is now I know how long his arms are, how big his hands are, what type of you know, frame he has? Can he add weight? I suspected before. I didn't ever trust in Texas Tech's program, but you know, I stood next to Michael Crabtree. Knew he wasn't six four, but I didn't think he was six one and a half either. You know, so now I know, and yes, that can change things for sure. That's definitely important. And then there are some prospects that are oversized. I'm thinking like Makai Becton. I've seen him in the top 10 of mock drafts as an offensive tackle. Is he 370 pounds? I think that might be a red flag for some teams unless he really sure. carries that weight well and is really moving around great at the combine. And he might be because he's a borderline freak with how big he is and, and some of his athleticism. But we'll see if he comes in 370, it doesn't move well or time well. That's going to hurt his stock. Absolutely. It would have to. But if he comes in and he's trimmed up, he's like, look, I'm prepared for this. I'm only 350, which is still massive. Yeah. But I'm 350 and I'm moving around great. And that's that would be an awesome sign for a prospect like him. I want to start with these props, though, with a player that I'm okay. having some trouble with right now. That is and is a player I love is wide receiver C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. His over-under for his 40 time is 4.54. And this one is, I think that's a perfect 
place to put his 40, but it also is the reason why I question how high I've seen him in mock drafts. So C.D. Lamb is a prospect who's listed, I think, 6'2", 190. I've seen his listings all over the place as far as weight. He could be anywhere between 187 to 200 pounds on different listings, depending on what you're looking at. But C.D. Lamb, he's not a burner, obviously. He wins in short areas. He has all the things you look for in a wide receiver, and and I think he could run a great three cone and some things like that. But his over-under is 454, and I think that's accurate. But if C.D. Lamb shows up at the combine and he's 6'1 and 189 pounds and runs mid-4.5s, I can't find a comparison since Peter Warwick, who goes in the top 15. It just doesn't happen. So that's where I question with CeeDee Lamb. Is he 6'1", 190, runs four fives? That's not a top 15 player traditionally in the NFL, as good as he is. That's a good point. And it's funny because I, I sent you an article that I wrote talking about, boy, it, history over the last five years has really showed that using wide receiver picks in the second and third round is a much better business than doing the first round. Everyone talks about running backs in that way, but receivers has really come to fruition in a big way and the smart teams are doing it. And a lot of the guys that hit in those second, third round areas, I'm thinking like Michael Thomas kind of fit this CD lamb body type height, weight, speed measurables perspective and have the great tape, but they've fallen of late. So I I see what you're saying. You know, like if this guy, most years, if I just told you this is his height, weight, speed, this is his production, that sounds like Michael Thomas. Maybe he's an early second rounder, mid second rounder, you know, as opposed to Henry Ruggs or somebody like that. So I see what you're saying. Um, I'm wondering, is the league warming up to the idea that the 40 isn't as important for receivers as many think it is? Um, I had mentioned before about putting the pen down, you know, after their last football, but I wanted to mention that, hey, I respect analytics as much as any analyst, and there are some massive trends in the combine, things like L drill for, you know, for three cone for edge rushers, short shuttle for O linemen, that they translate to success. And 40s and receivers don't go hand in hand, you know, great 40 times and great receivers do not go hand in hand. There's the Keenan Allens. And I think he ran like a four, six, three. So I hope to, to your point on this particular prospect, I always think about Deandre Hopkins when, when talking about CD lamb. And if you told me Deandre Hopkins runs a four, six flat, I wouldn't care one bit, <laughs> but I also hesitate to you know, to, to compare prospects to, great players you always I always laugh and say who's this running back remind you of oh Jim Brown Barry Sanders yeah sure you know you know so uh, is C.D. Lamb DeAndre Hopkins there aren't many of them so he almost has to be to justify a top 15 type draft pick if he's going to be a four six ish guy right and and all the players that are the best comps for him are in that vein Keenan Allen's a great one and and the thing is Keenan Allen's perfect I don't think Lamb's going to run as slow as Allen I think Allen was even almost six or uh a four seven forty wasn't yeah, I think it? He was it was really bad. He fell all the way to the third round. But in February of 2013, Keenan Allen was being mocked in the middle of the first round, and that's kind of the point. Right. Is I see um, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and like DeAndre Hopkins, great comp. Maybe somebody like you know Michael Thomas or Allen Robinson. All these guys were 
at the highest late first round picks. So I'm not saying CeeDee Lamb is a bad prospect. I actually like him. I think he could be a steal, but he could slip out of the top 15 and slip to a playoff team, say, in the second half of the first round, even though on all of these mocks, he's going really high. And I just don't think he's a top 15 lock, although he could show up and and it's stupid to say, but he could be 6'2 on the dot, 200 pounds on the dot, run 449. And I feel like that would just help his stock so much more because a, a GM can sit there and, right. and feel better about <laughs> yeah. making that selection. You, you know, even though a half inch we, we know and a, and a, and 0.05 in the 40 doesn't make that much of a difference at all. No, you're right. I mean, I, I, we just know that's how this draft process works. And that's kind of why you put the tape down, you know, put the pen down because if you watch CD lamb and under weaknesses, you're going to say he's not a burner. He's not a elite speed guy. And then if he, backs that up by running a 40 that you expect don't ding them twice for it don't drop them again you know so but the media does <laughs> you know i mean right. these mocks do and they see him and he's a great prospect and he's going 12 overall something like that but then he runs a four five six i can't put him in the top 15 of my mock anymore and and to your point what if you're the eagles and rugs is on the board and lambs on the board well we really need the speed guy lamb might be a better player but we can't, we need for our offense, we need that crazy take the top off mentality. Matt, let's hit some more of these combine props rapid fire next. When talking about a prospect like CD Lamb, who might not blow people away at the combine, well, who are the guys that are going to leapfrog him? Because some other people have to blow you away. And I think there is, especially some wide receiver prospects that could do that, which make things more difficult for someone that might not be built for the combine. Henry Ruggs is absolutely going to blow people away. Jerry Judy is going to blow people away, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. Jalen Rager is going to blow people away. Isaiah There's going to be Simmons. these guys that, yeah, th- that are running four threes. He's going to look pedestrian in, at some points next to those guys. And it has to have some sort of an impact, even if your board is pretty much set at this point going into the combine. Um, that actually brings me to one of the good props I mean, here. Joe Burrow's best work is behind him. <laughs> That's another <laughs> you know? one. Joe Burrow, with all the other guys that are even whispered about potentially being first round picks he's got the worst arm strength of all those guys right right like does, w- did he really want to go to the senior bowl and throw next to herbert for a week <laughs> yeah and jordan make- love and, yeah right yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great point um i'm looking at the the lines here the one that jumps out to me with the my bookie combine props henry ruggs is no longer listed they took him off because everybody i'm assuming was going under they had him at 438 and i was that was going to be my thing here was I'd like, go under pound the under on 438 i think so many people pounded that under they took it off he's you can't even bet on henry ruggs anymore at 438 i think uh i would put it at 430 probably if i was making that line yeah it, it brings me to a, a slightly different subject is i did quite well over the years on draft day prospects you know as you can imagine i had a, a little bit of an insight and I'll tell the, the the story of my my buddy making, you know, going eleven for twelve with one tie, and with the year I was with the Browns, that was kind of nice. But anyway, I'll tell that story some other day. <laughs> but I noticed with those type of bets that you can't bet your mortgage. Like there's limits, I think. And I would imagine I think with it's these a thousand dollar limit or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And I bet they their limit pretty much got hit. You know, like Rugs is he's gonna be in the four threes, and if you if it's four three eight or better. Yeah, I I guarantee you I would have put money on that. Here's one. Does anybody break the record 422 set by 
John Ross in the 40-yard dash. And uh, it's really not worth betting no, but if you think someone is, you could win $425 by betting 100 Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that, the smart bet is to say no, but there's some burners. I mean, Ruggs certainly comes to mind as the most likely, and he plays Tyreek Hill fast. And to me, yep. that's like saying, oh, he reminds me of Jim Brown. You know, I mean, he plays that fast. He outruns D1 Everybody. SEC angles like yeah, I, I've almost never seen like he is so fast and he plays yeah. fast and I don't even care what his 40 time is. He could run four or five and be like, I draft that guy in the first round because he can blaze and he'll he'll set the, the combine on fire because he can jump too. So I think all of yeah. his workout numbers will look really great for him. Another guy he's listed at six flat zero chance. He's six feet, right? <laughs> almost every single prospect listed at six feet. You're five, ten and a half, dude. Oh, yeah, all day long. <laughs> so that's if another one for him is, is size. Uh, Jalen Rieger is another guy who's probably going to go four, three. Um, I don't have a number for him on the props here. KJ Hamler, another wide receiver that, that could go yeah, it's a good really one. fast. So those are going to be some good ones. Here's an over-under on he Chase. like 165 pounds. Though. Right, he's super small. He better be fast. Yes. Chase Young, over-under 465 in the 40. I'm going to go over. I mean, he's a big boy. He's big, <laughs> and I don't think it matters. I think Chase Young could run, he could run four, five, or Four eight four nine. He's the number two pick, right? I don't, I, I, yeah, he would have to. I mean, the Bosa's so didn't test great. I, think, I mean, I'm not comparing yeah. them because they're both Ohio State guys. I'm just talking about top five picks all day long. And as long as he doesn't embarrass himself, as long as he doesn't have an Orlando Brown like com- combine, <laughs> right. he's gonna go in the top three or show up a lot smaller than people thought, or or something crazy like that. You know, Shoot. if he only weighs 255 right. pounds, people are like, oh, he can't hold up on the edge or something like that. Um, right. I mean, I mean, we're really grasping for straws. Jalen Hurts, four five eight. That's a really good time for a quarterback. I might take the over on that. I would take the over too. Like I've heard people say, boy, he could he could change positions at the next level. I'm like, he's not as athletic as insert wide receiver here. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like I, I don't watch him to say, oh, he should be a wide receiver. No, right. I mean, he's not Cordell Stewart, Lamar Jackson, where if he doesn't make it here, he's still the most dynamic player on the field. Michael Vick, you know, like he's a good runner. He's fast for a quarterback, but I bet he's a four six three guy because he's heavy. I mean, he's powerful. Four 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 for Jerry Judy. I'll go under on that. Yeah, I'm gonna go under on that one too. The short area stuff yeah. is really where he excels, but I think uh, the top speed he's got as well. And I, I would be disappointed if he went over, you know, four four and a half basically. He's so gifted that if he's been spending the last three months working on his technique on the 40, he's going to have it down pat. Justin Jefferson's another one. Uh, four five one is the line set for him. I almost want to go mm, over. I think it's not going to be – I think this is not the greatest setting for Justin Jefferson. Also, another guy listed at 6-3 on LSU's roster, uh, more like six one. So I think this is not the, the best place for Justin Jefferson. I've seen some round one noise for him. I just don't think he's a round one guy, even though he's a really good player and he could absolutely be one of those players that gets drafted in the third round and play much better than what his draft stock was. But six one mid four fives is what I expect from Justin Jefferson. Yeah, which is absolutely fine, in my opinion. I think that's who he is. It's back to that conversation we kind of had about C.D. Lamb. That means he could still be an excellent, excellent pro. But I don't he doesn't look as explosive and fast as. Again, he's one of those guys I think his best assets have already been displayed to scouts. And the wide receivers are the headliners here. That's why there's so many props for the wide yeah, receivers 40, and not right. as many at other positions. T. Higgins is a tough one because he's so long. The over-under here for him is 
four five seven. I'm absolutely taking the under here. I think he's. I think he could be a four four guy. Actually, he's got build up speed, but uh, he's got some speed when he opens it up. Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to say the over under is four five two, and I'd be like, oh, over. He's more built for the hundred than he is the forty. But he's going to have some nice long opened up strides by the twenty yard mark and. The long, I mean, the longer he runs, the better I think he does. I don't think he's super twitchy, but I bet he's better than a four six guy. Let's see. Right, fastest forty time over under here is four two nine. I'm going to take the under on that. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned some good names. Someone's uh, going to get in the four twos. I mean, someone almost every there. year someone's beats four two nine. Yeah, I'll, I'll go under on that too. Here's a good one. J.K. Dobbins, 449. He's a big guy, and that seems like a pretty low number, but I actually saw some intel about J.K. Dobbins' Nike camp. This is three or four years ago coming out of high school, so I'm sure he's a lot heavier now, but he ran a 445 with a 43 inch vertical. And maybe you don't want to exactly trust those numbers. Could be skewed a little bit depending on who's doing the testing and who's doing the timing there. Right, right. But I think J.K. Dobbins, people might not realize how freaky that guy is. Uh, as a running back, I mean, if he's close to 40-inch vertical and runs 4.4s, four that's great for a guy who's built so low to the ground. It's really well said. I I, I kind of do take some of these Nike camp high school scores with yeah. a grain of salt. You know, I mean, it's not quite the same to me. It's not apples to apples, and their bodies are changing so much. But I do believe, with all respect to Swift and Taylor, Taylor Swift, I always like to put that together. Um, <laughs> I do think, <laughs> I, I think Dobbins, is going when we get together a week from now. I think most people will be like, if there's a round one running back, it's Dobbins because of his testing. Uh, like you said, I've been told that he's going to be freaky testing, like maybe a 42 inch vertical. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to watch this. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Some guys surprising, some guys shocking with how good they work out, how bad they work out, who looks good, who does not. We'll see who actually even shows up to work out from some of the the big name guys if they try to wait until their pro days. I hope you have a great time in Indy and enjoy the week. I will. And one little caveat, and I've mentioned this before, is I will not be as in touch with drills as if I were home. So it's going to take me a couple days once I get back to Pittsburgh to rewatch everything. I mean, I'll be analyzing the numbers, but I'm not going to be staring at the, at the drills and the TV like I used to. So uh, I'll be busy. And we'll have everything. And let's talk at the bars. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I want to scout and report on the bar scene there, Matt. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have all the big stories broken down all week while Matt is in Indy. So we'll talk to you again Tuesday right here, Locked on NFL.